Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Exotic Car Facts, uh, a pundit's guide to exotic cars. And this is your host, The Real Deal, Dio Neal. And I want to say thank you to everyone who has been supporting the book and the channel and also the uh, Facebook page. I've been getting a lot of positive feedback. Um, and definitely want to say thank you to all the people who bought the book and um all the questions that you've been submitting, and I'm going to be answering some of those, uh, you know, as they come in. I'm trying to format uh, content that will specifically address some of the questions that you had about uh, specific makes and models of exotic cars, and also some uh, maybe some buying guides and some tips on what to look for uh, in the future. Uh, so when you're out there looking for your first exotic car, um, or your second, or even your third, um, you know, I'm going to try to put together some material of some key things to look for um, when you're making that exotic car purchase. Um, so the reason that I'm making today's episode or the topic of today's episode is going to be um, about the uh, Lamborghini Gallardos. Um, you know, that's one of the most popular exotic cars out there. Um, it's a car that most people definitely aspire to attain. Um, and it's very near and dear to a lot of exotic car owners' uh, hearts. For a lot of people, um, the Gallardo was uh, the first or one of the first exotic cars that they um, purchased or, or sought to purchase. And so I wanted to um, make a, uh, a podcast about a conversation I actually had with a good friend of mine yesterday, um, who's a big Lamborghini uh, Gallardo enthusiast, and um, just some observations that we've seen. And also, um, it kind of works out really well because um, I'm going to be posting a video um, about the uh, cheapest Lamborghini uh, Gallardo uh, LP car, uh, the LP560 that I found here uh, locally in my town um, for sale, and just some of the um, observations that I made um, when taking a look at that car. I did a pretty uh, good comprehensive video walk around of that vehicle. So I'll be posting that to the uh, YouTube page and uh, you'll be able to see what that car looks like. Um, so with that being said, um, just for the um, people who don't know or may not be familiar with the uh, Lamborghini Gallardo platform, um, the Gallardo is really um, the car that, in my opinion, uh, put Lamborghini on the map as a modern um, supercar, modern sports car, exotic car, uh, because it was one of the most affordable um, exotic cars that you could get of that caliber, you know, at the time. Um, as far as the performance, it had, um, you know, really great performance. Um, as far as the look, I mean, it had a radical look that, um, you know, even to this day, I think it still looks very um, aesthetically pleasing. It has a very aggressive profile. Um, and at the time, you know, it kind of showcased the... Um, step forward in technology that was made when um, the Volkswagen Audi group um, acquired Lamborghini and really started to apply some of their engineering know-how, some of the German uh, engineering and technology uh, to a to an exotic uh, car, to an Italian exotic uh, vehicle platform. And, um, you know, when you look at the Gallardo, um, you know, I think, in my opinion, it was a radical departure from um, you know, some of the previous Lamborghini cars that were exclusively made um, in Italy, you know, like the 
Diablos and, um, you know, the Jalpas and things like that, you know, some of the older uh, Lamborghini platforms, um, the Countach, things like that. So um, with the Gallardo, um, you know, again, it didn't have the signature, um, you know, vertical doors that everybody associates with the uh, with the Lamborghini. Um, so that was one thing. And then also the fact that it shares architecture. Um, it's built mostly on the same platform as the Audi R8, uh, which is another great exotic car. Um, super dependable, you know, great all around uh, first exotic car for you to get into. Great value for the money as well, because it's um, analogous to the uh, Gallardo in most ways. Um, and the only difference would be um, visually how the car looks um, and some other things. But yeah, with that being said, you know, the Gallardo was, you know, kind of the first uh, exotic car for the everyday guy. You know, it's a car that you could, uh, you know, drive practically every day uh, with very few issues, you know. And when I say that, you know, it's kind of tongue in cheek, take it with a grain of salt, you know, very few issues for an exotic car. Um, because when you compare it to some of the offerings by Ferrari at the time, uh, I believe the uh, 360 and the Medina um, 430s, you know, when you look at those cars and you compare them to the Lamborghini, you'll see that, you uh, the Lamborghini was much more reliable, uh, much more of a car that you could um, drive more frequently with fewer issues and uh, fewer concerns. And um, the other thing about the Gallardo is that, you know, they're very tunable. Um, you know, you've got that big displacement five liter V10. And so just right off the bat, I mean, the car had a great potential as far as, you know, being a fun uh you know, enthusiast vehicle, great platform, um, you know, with the all-wheel drive, um, you know, just a great all-around car. Um, but when you modify it, I mean, you know, you'd have people who do um, twin-turbo setups and they make huge horsepower, you know, in excess of a thousand wheel horsepower on an all-wheel drive car. And um, that just, you know, upped the ante and took the um, Gallardo to a place that even some of its supercar rivals like the, uh, the uh, 360s, they really didn't reach, um, you know, that same level of um, that same level of performance when you compare it to the fact that, you know, most people who buy Ferrari, you know, they typically don't modify them, um, you know, at least uh, performance wise to that extent. Um, you don't see a lot of people with, you know, 360, uh, you know, twin turbo setups or anything like that. Uh, but the Gallardo was much more approachable, much more forgiving as a uh, platform. And that's why even to this day, it's one of the most desirable uh, entry level exotic cars uh, that most people want to get because, you know, with a few upgrades, you know, a tune and an exhaust, um, you know, you make some really, really decent horsepower out of a, a great uh, foundational platform. And because it's based on uh, Volkswagen and Audi parts, you know, that's a huge community as far as the tuning um, technology goes. You have lots of tuning software and different ways that you can interface with your uh, Volkswagen products. So that actually helps a lot and makes the, uh, the Lamborghini much more user friendly um, and much more um, readily tunable uh, than some of the more exotic cars with their proprietary technologies that kind of locks you out and um, you have to go to some extreme lengths to really get um, more performance and more horsepower out of those cars. 
Um, I'd even go so far as to say that, you know, when you look at the, um, the Gallardo and the uh, Audi R8, you know, they're, they're almost uh, the exotic car equivalents of um, the Mitsubishi DSM products. And, um, you know, for those who don't know what that is, um, Mitsubishi uh, had a partnership with uh, Chrysler and uh, I think it was also uh, Jeep Eagle at some point in time. And um, during the uh, early 90s, they produced um, the Mitsubishi Eclipse uh, based on their 4G63 motor, uh, their turbo motor, and um, just all around great tuning platform. I mean, um, that car in and of itself spawned cars like the uh, uh, Mitsubishi Evolution that um, was released in the United States about a decade later um, in 2003. Um, and that was a car that, as a tuning platform, had great potential. And you still see them uh, to this day making ridiculously huge horsepower. I mean, you know, in excess of a thousand horsepower with the, with the right upgrade. So, um, and it's also an all-wheel drive car. And, um, you know, seeing is how ironically it came out um, right around the same time as the uh, Gallardo made its debut here in the United States. You know, the cars are very similar um, in terms of um, having a wide enthusiast, uh, enthusiast audience and a great uh, tuning base. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I think both of those vehicle platforms has endured to this day, just because it's very well understood. Um, you're able to make reliable horsepower and, um, you know, just has such a huge fan following that, you know, there's no shortage of um, upgrades and um, supporting modifications that you can make to those cars. Um, but anyway, so back to the Gallardo. Um, so looking at the Gallardo and, um, you know, considering that the first generation Gallardo came out in uh, right around 2003, 2004, uh, and you look at some of the um, specs on that particular car, um, when you consider that at the time with the five liter engine, um, you know, the first generation Gallardo, um, you know, with the V10, it made it right around 400 and I want to say 94, 95 horsepower, um, which isn't bad out of a five liter V10 engine. Um, you know, back in 2004, um, you know, that would have been quite a bit on the street. And, um, you know, when you think about it, again, you know, it was a good-looking car at the time. Uh, you know, the first-generation Gallardos, um, you know, they had a very um, aggressive kind of, um, I would even say almost an angular uh, look to them. And, you know, at the time, you know, when you look at the other cars that were available um, in the exotic car world, you know, I think only the uh, the Ferrari 360 um, and 430 would have been comparable um, at that time as a real contender, um, you know, to the to the Lamborghini. Um, you also had, you know, some some Porsche products, um, of course, and um, I'm sure that Aston Martin had a car out at that time. Um, but really, you know, when you look back in that era, you know, Ferrari and Lamborghini were really the two big um, names that stood out most as far as uh, the desirable exotic cars that a majority of people were familiar with. Um, so, and speaking with, uh, my friend, you know, we were talking about his, uh, Lamborghini collection and he's got, um, you know, a first gen and also a second gen, uh, Gallardo. And, um, we were just kind of discussing the market and where we see the market going and, um, you know, looking at it, um, you know, just doing some research, um, into the, uh, 
the LP560 that I saw here locally, um, you know, I wanted to see what the market prices were and also kind of um, compare that against, you know, buying a very clean first generation car because um, when you look at it, I mean, you consider that, you know, now um, it's 2018, almost 2019. Um, and the Gallardo came out a first generation uh, 2004 model year. Um, you know, you've got almost, uh, you know, two decades worth of, of, you know, time that's gone by, um, you know, and looking at that, considering that in another year or two, um, you know, most of these Gallardos that are in the first generation, I mean, they'll be in excess of, you know, 15, 16 years. So um, you want to kind of take a look and say, you know, does it make sense to go that far back um, to get something that's a first generation Gallardo, um, especially considering that most of them now, um, unless they've been um, very well taken care of and they're a curated car, um, you know, collector quality car, um, they're going to have some miles. I mean, even conservatively um, speaking, you know, you're looking at most Gallardos from the first generation um, having maybe uh, on average about twenty to 25,000 miles unless they've been, you know, very, very well maintained and kept and curated. Uh, but typically you'll see about 25,000 miles on those cars, if not more. Um, and in some extreme cases, I mean, you'll see twice that, um, you know, I've seen cars out there that have got, you know, 50,000 miles on them, um, you know, first generation Gallardos. So again, you know, when you look at that and you consider that the car, you know, um, at this point is almost 15 years old. Um, you know, one of the questions that I always ask is, you know, has the technology progressed, um, from that time to this time, um, enough to where, for the same money, I'd be able to buy something newer with better technology um, that maybe um, is even a little bit more desirable and has also reached a, a point in the depreciation cycle or the depreciation life of that car that um, you don't have to worry about losing um, a lot of money on that vehicle, um, you know, as far as the actual um actual cash value or the intrinsic value of the car goes um, outside of, you know, maybe your maintenance and holding costs for, for having an older car. But, you know, beyond that, you're not worried about the car slipping due to excessive uh, or rapid depreciation um, that's going to cause the car to hemorrhage money after you buy it. So um, looking at that, you know, uh, the price point that we kind of saw and we kind of came to a consensus on was for a very clean first generation Gallardo um, with uh, age-appropriate miles, so you know, twenty-five thousand to maybe thirty-five thousand miles. Um, you know, you'd be looking at somewhere um, maybe south of eighty thousand dollars, depending on the condition of the car. And that's a car that's in super clean condition, um, and depending on what actual year that car was produced. Um, I believe the first gens were produced up to about two thousand eight. So. Um, with that, you know, 75 to $80,000, um, as a retail price to turn the car, um, would be, um, I think a fair price. And depending on the specifics of the car and the options, um, 
you know, if it's an e-gear e car, um, you know, if it's got the manual transmission, if it's got good maintenance history, you know, if uh, the clutch has been replaced, if the paint's in good condition, you know, um, 85,000 maybe. Uh, but, you know, certainly you'd want the mileage to be, you know, under 20,000 at that point. Um, and pulling the market, um, Mannheim market report on that particular vehicle platform, um, last time I checked it, which was a few days ago, um, a first generation Gallardo, like a 2004 with approximately say 30 to 35,000 miles on there. I believe that the market price on an average car, which would be about a three on Mannheim scale out of five, um, you were looking at, um, I want to say right around 65 to maybe 70 was the, uh, uh, the dealer wholesale value average that you'd see on those cars. So that's pretty, uh, spot on with what our observations were, because certainly, um, you know, the cleaner car, you're going to pay a little bit more, but you know, again, in reality, I mean, it's a, it's a 15 year old car uh, at this point in time. And so, you know, for that kind of money, um, you know, you look at the marketplace that you can get, that's going to be newer, um, and um, you get a little more bang for your buck. And you know, there could be other cars, um, you know, that are going to be better value, such as like the uh, Audi R8 V10s. Um, you know, if you were to find one with the uh, six-speed manual transmission, you could probably get a much newer car. Um, you know, you'd be looking at um, maybe second-generation uh, Audi R8 uh, you know, V10 um, for that kind of money. Um, that would have significantly lower miles on there and also be uh, probably in better condition. Um, but, you know, again, it's not a Gallardo. You know, you don't have the, uh, you don't have the bull badge. And so, you know, that bull badge actually adds about a $10,000 uh, premium to the um, price of the car just because, um, you know, it's a very um, desirable marquee. I mean, the Lamborghini Bull is synonymous with exotic cars. And so, you know, once you buy into the the brand, um, you know, and you're an enthusiast, it doesn't matter. I mean, if you've got a, you know, an old Countach or, you know, um, an old Diablo or, you know, Murcielago, whatever it is, you know, Gallardo, once you have that bull badge on the, on the hood of your car, um, you know, you're, you're a full-fledged member of the exotic car community, you know, and people give you your, uh, your street cred and your, your props for that. So, um, so yeah, so that adds a little bit more to the, uh, uh, to the value of the car, but certainly, um, you know, for first-gen Gallardo, um, in good condition, unless it's immaculate, you know, you don't want to pay in excess of seventy-five to eighty-five thousand dollars for that car. Um, so that leads us back to the um, to the LP um, five sixty um, that I was looking at, and um, again, you know, the thing with Lamborghini um, that you'll find is that um, in I think it was two thousand nine or for the two thousand nine model year, uh, the uh, Gallardo got a facelift, it got a little bit of an update, and uh, they came out with the LP series, and you'd have the, um, I believe, LP550s um, were like the two-wheel drive version, the rear-wheel drives, and then you had your LP560-4s. Um, you know, you had a little bit more horsepower. I think they um, did a little bit of an upgrade or a freshen up on the, uh, on the engine, um, so they actually improved the horsepower output, I think, by about uh, 40 or 50 horsepower. Um, and then you also got, um, some, uh, update as far as the external features on the car. I believe they, uh, reduced some weight on the car. And then they also updated the, uh, headlamps and tail lamps. You had LEDs, 
and um, some very slight uh, changes in body style. So if you look at the um, first generation Gallardo uh, from the front, and you were to take a look at the um, the updated LP560s, um, you'll see that the front bumper has been redesigned. Um, the LP560 bumper is a little bit more aggressive. Um, you know, it has um, slightly um, fewer of the boxier angles. So if you look at a uh, first-gen Gallardo straight on, it looks a little bit more boxy. Um, it looks a bit, little bit more square when you compare it to the, uh, to the LP560s. And so, I mean, aesthetically, the LP560 looks a little bit more refined. It has more of the uh, sleeker uh, Lamborghini look a little bit sharper. Um, you know, that new look that most people associate with the uh, the newer Lamborghini cars like uh, the Aventador and the Huracan. Um, it's got that very angular kind of front on the car. You're, or you can see the uh, beginnings of that styling. And so um, it's a very attractive look on the uh, on the Gallardo. And in fact... What you'll find is that a lot of people who have the first-gen Gallardos, they would actually start to do the uh, LP bumper update. Um, so they'd put the uh, LP-style bumper on the car just to kind of freshen it up a little bit and make it look a little bit more modern. Um, so be aware of that You know, when you're looking at um, Lamborghini cars for sale. Um, it's very, uh, well, it's not that difficult, but it's becoming more uh, rare to actually see an unmolested uh, first-gen Gallardo that doesn't have the LP bumper update because it's such a popular look. Uh, my personal preference is that, um, you know, if I do buy a first-gen Gallardo, um, you know, I do want it to have the uh, the stock bumper on there. I want it to have that stock first-generation look uh, because, again, I think that when you look at the car overall um, with the um, style that the first-generation uh, Gallardo had, um, with the uh, square tail lights and um, some of those other features. When you take that all together, I think that those features work well together with the um, original front fascia or the original front bumper on the uh, uh, first generation cars. And, um, you know, with the LP cars, obviously, you know, with the other uh, styling cues and refinements that they've done, you know, it looks appropriate and balanced with that, uh, you know, second gen car. Uh, but I'm more of a purist. I believe that you know, if you're going to buy an exotic car, you know, uh, stock look, um, you know, the engineers who designed this car, they put a lot of uh, effort into making the car um, aesthetically pleasing. And, and uh, I think to a great degree, it's a signature look that um, works very well uh, for that particular car. And I think it also helps to um, make the car stand out for what it is, which is a first generation car. Versus it being, um, you know, kind of dressed up with some other mods uh, to make it look like something that it's not. So I'm kind of a purist in that regard. You know, stock wheels, stock tires, uh, you know, or stock wheels, um, stock bumpers, excuse me. Um, you know, stock headlights, you know, no uh, crazy body kits or anything like that. Uh, just because I'm a very, uh, very uh, traditional kind of guy. And like I said, you know, I like to look at a car and be able to tell exactly what it is and um, enjoy that car for for what it is and not what it appears to be uh, made out to be. So, um, so yeah, so back to the LP560 that I saw. Um, so, you know, again, looking at that car and knowing that, you know, typically an LP560 is going to have a little bit more displacement, um, you know, a little bit more horsepower, you know, some other uh, features on there. It's going to be a more modern car. I mean, um, 2009, so that puts the car at, you know, 
um, just about 10 years old now or almost 10 years old now. So, you know, the car is only a decade old as opposed to it being, uh, you know, 15 uh, years older or older. And so um, you get slightly more modern features with the LP car. And, um, you know, that makes it a little bit more attractive, um, you know, as a, uh, I don't want to sort of say as an investment proposition, but, um, you know, if I was on the car, um, the newer car is probably going to give you more bang for your buck. I mean, it's going to deliver um, a little bit more reliability, hopefully, um, depending on how it was well maintained. And uh, also you want to um, look at the fact that, you know, parts on a 10-year-old car should be in better condition than the parts on a 15 or 20-year-old car. So the chance that, you know, you'll have something like um, a hose that's dry rotted or, you know, um, some other engine components that may um, have just worn out due to age. I mean, not even due to abuse or anything like that, but just due to the age of the car. You know, hopefully buying that newer car helps to mitigate some of that uh, to, a, to a certain degree. And also, you know, you would hope that, um, you know, some of the improvements that they did to uh, the e-gear, if you did ch uh, choose to get an e-gear, uh, Gallardo, um, you know, some of the updates that they did, um, I think that they offered a, uh, a Corsa mode that made it, made it shift a little bit faster uh, for the second generation uh, Gallardos and the e-gear. So, I mean, little little tweaks that uh, that Lamborghini added. Um, I think they also added like a, a launch control, things like that, that improved the vehicle, um, you know, the overall enjoyment of the car. Um, you know, I think that that adds a certain amount of value to, uh, to the vehicle as well. Um, so, in looking at that, um, you know, the thing that we noticed were was that um, for a second gen Gallardo, um, higher, higher mileage um, examples were actually trending towards uh, the hundred thousand dollar mark, um, which isn't a bad price point. Um, but again, you know, you start to look at the fact that it's a ten year old car, and when you consider that there are um, more modern vehicles out there um, that are, you know, within, um, you know, five years old, um, you start to kind of look around and see what else is in that range that you can get into, um, you know, for the same money or similar money and, um, you know, provide a, a similar experience and, and maybe a better value. And again, um, you know, for a hundred thousand dollars, you know, you have cars, um, you know, your Porsche turbos, um, you know, your Audi R8s, you know, second generation Audi R8s, um, you know, vehicles that um, you could buy at that price point, you know, your uh, V10 plus Audi R8s, especially, um, that would maybe give you a little bit more bang for your buck um, with fewer miles, uh, better condition overall, and, um, you know, maybe less wear and tear. But again, you know, it's not a uh, Lamborghini uh, per se. Uh, so that also carries some weight as far as the, uh, you know, the price point goes, uh, on the high range though, we noticed that, um, with the LP cars, 125 seemed to be about average, uh, for those cars, you know, with moderate mileage, you know, uh, under 20,000 miles, um, which seems to be a, a decent price point. But again, you know, um, then you get into the argument of uh, what newer modern cars are out there that are um, around that, that 125 uh, price point. And again, you know, you look at cars like, you know, um, 
uh, to get a brand new car. I'm going to start to approach the price point on your uh, new Acron SXs. Um, and then you also have cars like the, uh, the newer um, AMG GT cars uh, that you know have similar horsepower, um, if not more horsepower in some cases, um, and give you that same exotic car feeling, that same exotic car look. Uh, but they're just a little bit newer, and they've got more modern features. And um, you know, in some cases, you know, uh, depending on what kind of car you get and what the mileage is, you know, um, may or may not make uh, for a better buy, uh, just based on depreciation. But overall enjoyment, you know, a lot of the newer cars are still under warranty. Um, so if you drive a lot or plan on driving a lot, um, if you're a person that doesn't want to spend a lot of money um, on having to do maintenance on a uh, on an older car to bring it up to spec uh, to get it roadworthy, then, um, you know, in around that 125 uh, to 145 price point, you know, there are a lot of newer cars that are um, just as exotic, um, very good cars, good quality cars that um, could also provide um, a similar experience. Uh, but like I said, they wouldn't have that uh, the bull badge on the, on the hood. So if that's important to you, then, you know, um, you want to look at the, uh, the Gallardo because that's definitely a great car to get into. Um, and I think other than that, um, the only other car that I, uh, would consider beyond the, uh, the second gen Gallardo would be something like, um, like an LP, uh, 570, uh, um, you know, which is kind of the, um, top of the line or the evolution of the Gallardo, um, in my opinion. Um, I think the only car that was, you know, nicer than the uh, Superleggero was maybe the Trofeo. Um, but, you know, when you look at that car, again, you know, a clean example is going to run you, um, you know, north of $150,000 in most cases if you, if you pay uh, full retail on that car. And um, so, you know, typically your target price would want to be, uh, you know, 145 to 150. But super clean that, um, you know, we're easily selling for um, or, or we're advertised for sale uh, for $170,000 or so. And at that point, you know, there are uh, much newer cars that you could get into that, in my opinion, would be a little bit better fit, um, you know, than the, um, the Gallardo. Um, one thing I did want to say, though, is that um, I am a big fan of the um, LP560 um, bumper update that they did. I think it was in 2013 um, with the more angular fins. And um, when you look at that car and you compare it to um, the Aventador, you know, you start to see that um, 2013, I think, 2012, 2013 with the uh, LP560-4s had a really, really um, aggressive uh, front bumper with the uh, angular fins. And um, to me, that look, um, in my opinion, um, is probably the one of the most aggressive and best-looking uh, fronts on the uh, on the Gallardo, just because it has a, uh, an extreme radical uh, angular Lamborghini look, and I think that's a, a great signature look for Lamborghini, uh, to have that um, really angular, um, you know, front bumper and even like with the uh, 570 um, Superleggeras, you know, same thing, you know, you want it to have that very aggressive, you know, kind of race car look to it. And, um, you know, I think that once you get that package um, on the car, um, you know, if you can find a, a 570 Superleggera, then yeah, absolutely, you know, um, you know, hop on it because um, I think that I've seen them online for um, right around 200,000 or so with about, um, I want to say less than 10,000 miles on there. So, I mean, those are just super, super great cars to have. Um, 
and you know at that point you know you're looking at the uh the car as a collector's item um that i wouldn't even necessarily uh, want to daily drive a uh, uh you know super Legera, uh you know 570 lp 570 just because it's such a special car there's a few of them out there um and it's a super uh super rare car but overall um you know at the end of the day if you decide to get Lamborghini and you're shooting for a first gen, uh, just be aware that um, you know you won't shoot for a target price. Um, if you can get it, you know for less than eighty thousand uh, dollars, you know with decent mileage on there, you know do that. Uh, just because you're going to have to put some money into it, more than likely uh, to kind of bring the car up to snuff as far as the uh, mechanical condition of the car is. Um, you know, unless you have you know somebody who's very meticulous and has got super great you know service records on the car. Um, but other than that, um, yeah, you know, just wanted to uh, touch base with you guys and uh, give this quick. Uh, podcast because i was looking around at the lamborghinis here locally and um like i said 560 uh, that i found here locally uh just to kind of give you a an idea it was actually listed for sale uh for i think it was eighty five thousand dollars um and there's a reason for that and, and i'll show you that in the video um that's going up on youtube and kind of some other things that i found out about that car and why it was so cheap but um Anyway, um, hope that you guys uh, enjoyed uh, today's podcast and you got something from it. If you have any questions, uh, comments, or anything like that, uh, feel free to you know leave them um, either on the Facebook page or you know shoot me an email. And um, once again, I appreciate you guys um, tuning in, and I'll talk to you next time. Bye.